Welcome back to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you so much for rejoining us for this special live broadcast uh, here. In, we're broadcasting live from on the ground in Syria. Uh, this is something I've never, we've never done before. So we have broadcasted from Lebanon before, but never Syria. So it's a great honor. Uh, to be, I've got a very special. Well, I've got a few special guests uh, with us today, and I've got the first one of those special guests sitting here with me. Uh, her name is Rima Hakim, and uh, she's uh, she teaches at the university here in Damascus. And I believe Rima, your specialty is English literature. Uh, so I, my guess is that you've read some very interesting books. <laughs> Uh, over the years, and uh, it's a it's a great it's a great subject to be teaching. You're you're very lucky. You get to play with some of the best uh, books uh, in the world. So uh, uh, we'll talk about that. But you know, uh, thank you for joining us this week. It's great to have you on board. Thank you very much, Patrick. It's great. Uh, thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity as well to talk on uh, 21st Century Wire. And let me thank you first for all the great efforts that you are doing really for Syria, uh, much more than some Syrians are doing, to tell you the truth. And uh, we can't really thank you enough. And yes, as you mentioned, I, I am a university professor in Damascus University. I lived six years in Britain. Wow. Uh, and I got my PhD there, and uh, I'm a specialist in Shakespeare uh, drama, and I love uh, also theater and theater directing, and we did plays with our students here in Syria in English as well, some like Shakespearean plays or Renaissance plays as well, and other plays. Uh, and I'm also an interpreter. Uh, as well, this is my, my second uh, as well career that I always do. This is freelance, mm -hmm. so I really enjoy it as well as as an interpreter. And uh, uh, I came back from Britain uh, in 1992, and I started teaching in Damascus University. So I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm not that old anyway, but I've been teaching since 1992 in Damascus University, and I miss Britain a lot to tell you the truth. Where, where did you study in Britain? Uh, University of Leeds. And Leeds, yeah. okay, very. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you're up there. I have so much nostalgia to to Britain, really, and uh, I, I lived there for six years. And I have to say here, Patrick, that uh, uh, I uh, I met many nice British people, and the British people are very nice indeed. I mean, they don't really represent their government at all, and the government doesn't represent them. Uh, so I know that all what is happening against Syria, it is the uh, like the government, the British government is doing this and following. Uh, the uh, evil steps, if you like, of the uh, U.S. So uh, my British friends are still always contacting me, asking uh, about how we are in Syria, uh, trying to ask uh, whether we need any help. Uh, they, they are always keen on uh, making sure that we are fine, and they are always saying, we are sorry, our government is doing this. So I have to say this as well, just like, of course, my many American friends that I have that always... Uh, again, say that uh, we are ashamed of what the U.S. government is doing to Syria. So the people of the world all are, uh, you know, can can unite uh, against against this. I'm sure it's the governments, unfortunately, that are doing this. And tell yeah. you know, and tell us, you know, if you can remember, you know, obviously there's a there's a lot yeah. more to remember even before 2011. There was a lot of uh, series of events. Yeah. When at, at what point did you realize that something was happening here? Uh, yeah. You know what? What time? Which year? And you know what were some of the signals 
that you that you were picking yeah. up. Um, just talk talk about that a little bit because I think this is an interesting conversation maybe yeah uh, actually patrick uh, it's amazing that if i go back in my memory now to before 2011 uh, uh, it was very hard to really watch any signals going on i mean things were going on well and uh, syria was moving forward in uh, uh, on all levels i mean uh, educational levels for example in a few years uh, 18 private universities opened only in a few years time before 2011 and uh, in 2009 I was contacted by uh, a British Syrian uh, professor uh, and uh, they asked me for my CV and my husband's CV because he's also a graduate of Britain. He did his PhD in civil engineering there. And uh, they asked me for my CV because they were about to open a British university in Latakia. And I was so excited then at the time. I mean, there was, uh, on the educational level, lots of work was uh, being done uh, um, in advancement of Syria. And apart from that, of course, I'm not saying that uh, there weren't things that we were worried about, we wanted to be better. But uh, people were working, and it was probably slow for some, but it was fine for Syria. The pace of advancement was fine for Syria. Uh, I remember in 2009 as well, I was uh, contacted to go and interpret in Deir Zor in a conference which was called the development of the eastern uh, uh, eastern uh, region in Syria uh, because they realized maybe too late at that time but they, they realized never uh, better late than never that uh, they need to do lots of development in the eastern region in Syria and all the ministers attended and many investors and from even all over the world attended this conference so there was uh, really something that was about to happen in the eastern region. It's as if that was for them, you know, for, for those powers that are fighting against Syria. It was for them something that didn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Because if it happened, I'm, I'm sure, you know, this war on Syria couldn't have happened easily uh, against Syria. Uh, in the university, I was teaching, we were going about our lives, and uh, I remember we attended, uh, there was the, the, the year 2008, for example, Damascus, uh, the, the uh, capital of culture, uh, as well. So uh, th- there were no signals. The signals started in actual fact at the beginning of 2011 uh, when we started, uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, or, or if you like, uh, we started seeing on Al Jazeera. Uh, in a way, uh, some signs uh, of, of saying that uh, there are different uh, like groups, if you like, opposition groups uh, outside Syria uh, calling for uh, a regime change. So we started knowing that something was about to happen. But frankly, Patrick, uh, for us as Syrians, uh, we knew uh, once Iraq, uh, where the invasion of Iraq started, that uh, uh, we, we should have been careful because definitely something was going to happen. And the signs were, you know, what happened in Tunisia in the, what the, the so-called Arab Spring. Uh, we knew that something was about to happen. And Libya was for us a very important sign. We knew that something was about to happen. I don't know why. Uh, maybe we didn't have time to do something before. Uh, but I, I remember very well that when the demonstration started, uh, in fact, uh, in less than three months, after two months of the demonstrations, uh, the government responded. And I remember uh, the, uh, on TV, uh, the uh, advisor to the president, uh, Dr. Buteyna Shaban, was uh, uh, announcing some changes. Uh, among them, frankly speaking, is a salary raise. And I remember all the people were very happy and excited. And I remember as a university professor and some of my friends said, well, now if we want to see how much our salary will be in US dollar, it's fine. 
it's fine and uh, even many employees in the university who are you know the uh, like for example a secretary everyone was happy that's good i mean there's something going on uh, they didn't want the government to go on since it announced the the changes they knew that uh, this is a good response so they immediately what happened is that immediately we started hearing of uh, incidents of violence immediately because uh, and i remember one of the employees in the university uh, told me he came from joba you know this area which is a hot area yeah and yep. he told me at that time uh, he's 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 a 50 years old man he told me uh, i live in the main street where the demonstrations were going on in joba and from his balcony he could see the demonstrations but he didn't take part he was he saw himself as an old man to take part and he did he wasn't against the government anyway but he told me i saw with my own eyes the demonstrations going on and i remember i saw a person among the people holding a gun and shooting one person among the demonstrators uh, so he went at that time he was shocked to see this he went to uh, if you want to call them the the leaders of the jobar area you know those who conducted the what the so called revolution in a way and he just went went to tell them because he was their neighbor he went to tell them look i mean there are people who are infiltrating among the demonstrators and i saw with my own eyes somebody holding a gun and shooting someone and you know what happened then when this person was shot people started shouting martyr martyr you know because they uh, so instead of telling him okay thank you for telling us they told him ah oh, you are helping the government so this person had to leave jobar immediately because he knew that he would have been targeted the, the idea is uh, not in defense of the government but the idea is it was very clear to everyone who has just you know common sense uh, that uh, i mean there's no government that will just go on killing their own people for six years and still many syrians are with them you know it's it's something that cannot you know uh, i mean even a, a two years old child uh, will not be convinced with this kind of uh, you know narrative uh, and and it was so clear as well that uh, there was Uh, there were attempts in fact to try and uh, invent something i mean invent martyrs like kill kill people in the demonstrations and say it's the government that killed them and uh, uh, at that time and i have to say to be here frank at that time i thought my god i mean what if the, the, their narrative is true let me check so i started listening to different channels among them al jazeera because we want to know and and here it's a free country unlike what they say because we can check the f- facebook i mean the internet is has been always on yeah. all through the war and and because in some countries like iran you, yeah. there's no twitter yeah, or I mean, uh, facebook i don't think i mean think we you can we, use, we, yeah. we i mean it was never interrupted all through the wars the years of the war even though as a syrian now uh, uh, worrying about my country i wish the government really stopped facebook i wish the government did something they didn't they didn't uh, for example deprive us of the internet uh, and we were able to check through the internet all the the channels and we had satellite tv we could watch cnn we could watch all the channels while in america in the, and and uh, europe they cannot watch except state owned media and that's me- mainstream media yeah. so uh, i started checking all the channels and i remember my husband was angry with me saying why are you watching al jazeera you know that they are liars i said yeah but i want to see i want to check all the channels you need to know what they're saying i need to know what they're saying and yeah. i started checking youtube and checking you know this narrative that you know the government was shooting people and i remember at the time something really very important my friend in homs uh, who is who is anti government and she had a visa immediately to the united states because she was anti government anyway she told me okay watch this youtube when they sh- when they shot 
people uh, in the main square in Homs near uh, this clock, you know, big clock. So I told her, okay, send it to me. So I started watching and I heard in the YouTube, I, I saw, uh, I heard, of course, the fire shots, uh, really uh, extensive fire shots. And I saw the people running, you know, run, running around. But I saw no one falling on the ground dead. Uh, and then I said, well, I mean, let me think. I have to really look at it critically. I mean, I can't just watch YouTube and say, well, this is, uh, this is true. And I remember then that uh, uh, something happened to me when there was a very difficult uh, crisis of uh, fuel. Uh, I, I waited four hours at the petrol station at the time to fill petrol. And the people started, uh, you know, there were many people wanted, wanted, uh, who wanted to fill bottles to sell them for, you know, you know that usually when you have war, People want to, uh, to benefit. These are the war properties. They want to sell, for example, a bottle of diesel or, or fuel for a higher price. And they were uh, gathering around the, the pump. They didn't allow the, car, the cars, the drivers, to fill cars in the, uh, petrol in their cars. So I asked one of the uh, people waiting, uh, 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 one of the guards, I said, well, I've been waiting for four hours now, and they, they don't allow you to fill petrols for, for, for us. And we, we have cars. I mean, they have bottles, but we have cars. And the guard was very kind. He said, I, I asked them many times, madam, but they didn't want to listen. So let me shoot in the air. And at that time, he started shooting in the air because they didn't want to leave the pump. And when he shot in the air, nobody left. He said, look at that. I mean, I'm just shooting in the air. When he shot in the air, I remember the YouTube I saw in Homs. And I, I, I said, if I rec record now this moment when this person is trying to just disperse the crowd and shot in the air, people will think that uh, somebody is killing us. And it's not true. And I remembered immediately this YouTube in Hong And I remembered that maybe uh, uh, because the people didn't uh, started, uh, you know, uh, burning things, uh, there was sabotage during the demonstrations. And there are many YouTubes that prove that they burned institutions, they burned cars. So, uh, I mean, in any country in the world, uh, the police will have to finally at least shoot in the air to disperse the crowd and say, well, I mean, uh, we've had enough. And uh, uh, I started, you know, looking at things with more deeper analysis in a way. And I remember this event in Sydney when one armed man entered into a cafe in Sydney, 200 people were there and uh, uh, the police surrounded the area and started uh, fi finding a way to get rid of him. And uh, at the end of the whole operation, seven people were killed. And they asked at the time the head of the police, uh, the Australian police, they said, well, seven people were killed for one man. So he said, well, better than killing the 200 men in the cafe, the 200 people in the cafe. The idea is not in defense, but what can you do when there are armed people infiltrating among the civilians in, in different areas? I mean, what, what can you do? I mean, can you just uh, have like, uh, for example, a, a pick and just pick them, you know, uh, with this guy. I don't know what you call this. Um, tweezers. Uh, tweezers, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't do this. Yeah. So we started looking at things uh, probably from a different perspective. And then all through the years now, Patrick, uh, we've suffered. Students suffered a lot. You know, we had, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, I escaped uh, different mortars many times. I'm, I'm lucky to have escaped many mortars. My students, uh, the same thing. I had students killed in the latest explosion in, uh, because I teach English for uh, students of, of law as well, uh, distance learning. Uh, so uh, some of them are now practicing uh, lawyers in uh, the Palace of Justice where this explosion, suicide bombing happened. Just a few weeks ago. Just a few weeks ago, yeah. and and uh, I, I lost one student, and and some of them were injured because they were there. Uh, I mean, these are civilians. 
uh, killed. Mm. After six years of war now, uh, we, we, with 17 million Syrians, Patrick, still in Syria, and I, uh, I know the numbers very well because I usually uh, help in translating documents for the relief agencies. I know that six million Syrians are internally displaced. They came from different governorates or different uh, uh, really troublesome areas that, that are under the control of the armed groups. Uh, so they come to government-controlled areas. These are six million uh, internally displaced. They are either in like uh, collective shelters or unfinished buildings uh, or different areas or with hosting communities. Mm. These these have come to, gov- to areas that are under the government control. And I, I have met some of them because, uh, 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 for example, I have volunteers from my students who go and teach them, teach the children, help the children in a way. So I know this. Apart from the six million, all, all together with the, these internally displaced, there are 17 million Syrians still in Syria. The mainstream media doesn't mention anything concerning that. I mean, those people, I, I mean, can, how can you imagine and believe this narrative that there is a government, monstrous government, killing people, pro-government and anti-government? Because even if there's an explosion now, the mainstream media stupidly says, well, it is something arranged by the government. So whether the people, the victims are anti-government or pro-government, it's always the government that kills. Well, what sort of people? than the Syrian people. I mean, are they deranged to accept a monstrous government to kill people uh, everywhere, you know, randomly, and just, you know, uh, uh, stay there? I mean, uh, uh, the mainstream media ignores those people who are with the government. And truly, Patrick, I can tell you, I have seen many students who, at the beginning of the crisis, were probably tending towards being anti-government because they believed the narrative. Now, these people, I used to argue with them as well and to really have long discussions and, uh, of course, with uh, long discussions but we were very i mean on friendly terms but at the end now those people those uh, these students from different areas i have students from everywhere even from governorates other governors because they have come to join damascus university uh, from daraya i have students from jobar from duma uh, most of them have uh, even those who were a little bit you know not not really decided now they are most of them are with the government with the syrian army because they know that it's a homeland that is uh, going to be lost and uh, a whole civilization, a whole future, the whole future of the Syrian people, a whole lost generation. Mm. And they realize that they are not defending a person here, by the way. And this is, I mean, when you, when you so, sort of uh, somehow shrink the whole Syrian people to one person, no, it's not true. Actually, the president is, uh, uh, is with the people fighting for their homeland, not, not the other way around. It's not that the people are with him for what he wants. It's, it's, he is with us. He is with all the people, the Syrians, who are keen to preserve their, 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 the integrity of their land and to preserve the unity of Syria and to preserve the Syria which we had, by the way. It, uh, it grieves me, Patrick, uh, to tears, in fact, when I remember how Syria used to be and how Syria is now. Uh, I mean, for me, it's not the war or the infrastructure that uh, that worries me that has been d- destroyed. It's the, the social fabric that they really tried hard to destroy. Um, and, and this coexistence, this love between the Syrian people. And in fact, I still have hope when I look at uh, two cities in Syria now, uh, Tartus and Latakia, who are uh, an excellent example of this coexistence because uh, it has many people from Idlib and Aleppo many uh, displaced people from Idlib and Aleppo, and they are living together 
with so much love and and there the, are neighbors and they cook together sometimes and uh, uh, the, the people from Latakia and uh, I mean there is no the, 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 we didn't have any sectarianism before mm. maybe I mean what happened is that there were people who were sectarian I have to admit there were people who were sectarian uh, as a mother of two children I brought up my children not to be sectarian at all and every time they came to me with a question what is our sect mom and I said well why do you ask you shouldn't ask this question it's dangerous for our country to ask this question uh, we have different sects but they are a part of the diversity of Syria and I remember my one day my son who was uh, in the 11th grade told me well mom and this was just one year before the crisis Patrick imagine he told me mom you should see how, how many people in our school are sectarian and I said what do you mean this makes me worried because in our own time we weren't that sectarian at all by the way so he said some of my friends asked me this question because their parents uh, asked them their question what is the sect of Karim who is of course my son uh, and I said well look uh, we are all Syrians uh, and and uh, uh, sometimes because you know m some of my students who are now abroad in Turkey they are anti-government they see that I am with the Syrian army they always say well where does she come from what is her sect maybe she is Alawite so I, ha I'm, I, I want to say here that I, I am originally born a Sunni by the way, uh, but I don't believe in sex, to tell you the truth. But I, I am originally from Homs, but I lived all my life. I was born here in Damascus, but I'm originally from Homs, from an area which is called, so, uh, called a revolutionary area, the so-called, in a way, an area where the revolution, uh, this so-called revolution uh, took place. So I am originally born a Sunni. So I told them, well, why don't you believe there are many, many people who are Sunni who are with the Syrian army and the government? Uh, and, and they are even more, if you like. So uh, uh, those people, 17 million Syrians, are with the Syrian army here in Syria, living in Syria, not wanting to leave Syria. I mean, what about those people? How come we, we, some, some opposition figures uh, living there, uh, uh, some of them haven't been even to Syria all their life, Patrick, imagine. Yeah. I mean, how come uh, people believe that they represent Syria? It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. it's not that I'm saying that you should be in Syria to to be Syrian. No, of course not. But you cannot. But what you are doing is not simply being away and saying I am Syrian. There are many expatriates. There's a difference between expatriates who are Syrian, of course, and those Syrians between brackets, if you like, who don't want only to say, well, we are away, but we are Syrian. Well, you are Syrian, but you want to destroy your country. I mean, you know very well that, uh, uh, of course, uh, the, the uh, U.S. is trying for the sake of Israel to uh, destroy Syria because Syria definitely is a hard line against the Israeli project in the region and uh, the U.S. project. I mean, this is something I, I don't know why they ignore it. Uh, Patrick, I just don't know how some Syrians who uh, turned against uh, their homeland, how come they ignore a whole history, a whole history of Iraq, Libya, and and uh, and, and our wars with Israel? Uh, by the way, we have nothing against the the uh, uh, the Jewish people. By the way, we are not, not at all against the Jewish people. There are even some Israelis who are with peace. By the way, but how can you ask for peace if, for example, you have taken my home? And then you say, why are you angry, Rima? 
well, why don't we be, be, be friends? So I say, okay, Patrick, we will, but please give me back my house. But you say, no, I'm not going to give you back your house, but you have to be friends with me. I want peace with you. So the idea is, how can you ignore this history? How can you ignore what's happened in Iraq? How can you ignore? It's as if, you know, this twisted logic of some Syrians is something that has gone beyond beyond any kind of limits and imagination. I mean, sometimes when I argue with some of my students who are away now uh, and who are working uh, against the government and some of them i am sure you know getting some money some of them are even recruited in the uh, sec- uh, the uh, um, uh, department of state in the united states and i remember one of them uh, uh, is still working there so i told him well why are you there how come you got a visa some somebody is paying for you so uh, uh, i mean how, how can you because in 2013 this person who was one of my students uh, stood near the white house with only 15 persons holding a red tape uh, if you like, uh, and uh, 15 persons, some of them didn't look Syrian even, and he asked the White House to bomb Syria. So I told him, look, I can I can accept different opinions, but I cannot accept someone who is asking the U.S., who is known for its really black history of invading countries and bombing uh, and, and destroying civilizations, to ask the U.S. to come and bomb his country. I mean, how can I understand? How can you convince me? Um, and really, Patrick, sometimes I, uh, when I used to argue with some of my students who are away, who probably are anti-government, uh, I used to argue with them many times, in fact, that uh, if the people hold on to the government, it's because of the very, very bad practices that they have seen from the so-called opposition. I mean, it's you who have made the Syrian people worried. You haven't shown us that you really care for your homeland. You haven't shown us that you have a real revolution that is not subservient to any of these you know, forces that are known for uh, destroying civilizations and countries and nations and stealing their wealth. And uh, So if you were really independent, everyone would stand with you. And even the same, the president himself will stand with you, because uh, uh, the president is keen on. Uh, I, I, uh, I can say because I have seen what happened before 2011. Uh, I mean, he was trying, and and the government was trying to really work hard. There were many gaps, like everywhere in the world, Patrick. Everywhere you have gaps. Corruption, yes, there is lots of corruption. But if you look at other countries. There is corruption on a global level, if you like. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, all the deals that we hear of and, uh, and what is happening and every vice president in America, after he finished office, uh, he has like a whole uh, corporation, global corporation of reconstruction. Dick Cheney, for example, you know and that. And Tony Blair. And Tony Blair, uh, yeah. definitely. I mean, the idea is uh, this doesn't justify the corruption. Definitely we have to fight corruption. But do we fight corruption by holding arms against the government, against your own troops? And uh, again, the argument is uh, always, I, I always wondered, uh, and when I talked to my f- American friends and British friends and friends from Europe, that when, uh, when they say, for example, when they call the Syrian Arab army uh, uh, the Assad troops <laughs> or forces, I always tell them when George Bush invaded Iraq, and he was invading a country, not defending his homeland. Did you call the troops, the Bush's troops, or you said our troops, and you accused anyone who stood against the troops, the American troops being in Iraq, as someone who is a, a, a traitor, 
mm. to the U.S. I mean, how come you use a different argument? What kind of double standard is this? Uh, and and you, you cannot compare. I, I see this all the time in, in yeah. the New York Times or yeah. on CNN or Al Jazeera. They say forces loyal to President Assad. Yeah, right? and, and, and so this is the way of the mainstream media. Th- this would yeah. be the same as saying that U.S. troops in Iraq was forces loyal to George Bush. You know, yeah, they would I mean, never they would never use that terminology. Yeah, never. But yet it seems okay to yeah. use it when yeah. talking about Syria. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So a, a, a complete uh, strange standard yeah. of media. Yeah. I, I won't even call it journalism. In fact, the word journalist has become a derogatory term now. Yeah. It's it's lost so much credibility. Right. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I, I don't even like people say, well, what, what do you do? And I, I don't want to say journalist because there's so many yeah. people that have given it a bad name at CNN or the BBC for the, yeah. for the coverage of this conflict. That's and right. so I say I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a writer and I am a, a, you know, a broadcaster and whatever. The, the, the term journalism has just become I know, I tainted. Know. Yeah. Actually, Patrick, I mean, as a Syrian woman, I mean, let me talk as a Syrian woman. Uh, when they said that they wanted freedom, I, I can tell you, uh, I mean, it's not only me, everybody in Syria. And I am sure those who opposed the government and left Syria... Uh, have seen what kind of freedom they have there because they are watched there every time. And I always say that even my, my foreign friends who, who defend Syria uh, are always watched there and everything they write on their Facebook, they are watched even there. Uh, so I told them, uh, as a Syrian woman, I felt totally free before the crisis. Uh, we were able, as Syrian women, to uh, 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 we were not afraid to go and attend a wedding in the rural areas, for example, uh, a relative wedding, and, and come back as women only in, in in, uh, in our car, uh, we, we, we were totally free. There was so much security. These points of strength, I think, were studied very well by those forces who wanted to destroy Syria. That, okay, they have good security. It was one of the most secure countries around the world, by the way. They have coexistence. They have different religions. They have different feasts. Uh, Islam and, and, and uh, Christians, they are always together. The Christians in Ramadan uh, maybe used to go to uh, what we call Suhoor, which is the last meal you eat before uh, the day, before fasting for the day. They used to go to restaurants much more than, than Muslims even. Uh, and, uh, and we celebrate, I mean, I used to have like uh, I am originally a Muslim, born a Muslim, so I used to have always like a tree for Christmas uh, at home for my children. And I remember uh, in one of the schools that where my children were, uh, I, I took them out of this school because it was a school that probably said that you shouldn't have a Christmas tree if you are a Muslim. These were the people who destroyed Syria, of course. So I told them, look, I celebrate all feasts whether Muslim, whether Christians, because I believe in all religions. And I used to take them to the Christian quarters in uh, Christmas to see all the decorations, and I used to go to even different churches churches, and to see the, the uh, uh, orphan children there during Christmas. I mean, this is the beauty of Syria. And uh, uh, I remember a group of American friends. We had a program in 2004 uh, between University of Damascus and University of Columbia. We were five university professors from Damascus University. We went to Colombia for 12 days. We met five uh, Americans there. And we had a sort of program that was supported at that time by the Department of State, by the way. Amazing. And uh, they called it conflict resolution. Uh, the, the aim of this program was to try and establish a circle of uh, Americans and Syrians that can probably uh, see how they can uh, have more bridges, build bridges between them. And then if this works, then we can uh, enlarge, uh, enlarge the circle. But then we realized that the purpose 
purpose of this program was to brainwash those five Syrians in a way. But what happened is that it's not brainwashing the five Americans with us who were very, very kind, Patrick. You can't imagine. Uh, they weren't brainwashed. They were... Uh, they, they, they had a kind of eye-opening experience and they came to Syria for 12 days and they met many Syrians and I have to say here at that time when we went in Col to Colombia I told the coordinator Could we, can we meet the students there in Colombia because it will be nice for five Syrians to meet the students and talk to them they didn't allow us to meet students when they came here to Syria they met with our students Patrick so I told the coordinator you see here we are more a free country than you because we allowed you to meet the students and talk to them freely and uh, one of them said I have to admit that I was so ignorant about Syria and I remember at the time uh, we were invited uh, at the uh, uh, not the ambassador's house uh, I think it was Margaret Scooby at the time as I can if I can remember we were invited at the consul's house uh, for dinner and he asked us about our experience and one American friend in the group said I love Syria he said and uh, he said well uh, I'm sorry I have to say that all what I heard about Syria before I came was totally wrong from the mainstream media this experience in Syria for 12 days has taught me that uh, I have to really investigate to know about Syria uh, because he met uh, with all the students he met he we went to Aleppo at the time there was uh, uh, Mufti Hassoun was Mufti of Aleppo and uh, we took an appointment with him even though he had a very busy schedule when we arrived there uh, the uh, one of the uh, uh, if you like the uh, uh, priests of uh, uh, a Christian church was was meeting with him and they were telling themselves jokes when we entered and they were laughing because he has a sense of humor. One of uh, one of the Americans said, "Well, is that the case always, or is it something arranged for us to see that?" I said, "This is Syria." This is, this is how Syria used to be always and still is, Patrick, despite the war. So uh, I, I remember that uh, the, um, uh, the, the, um, the ambassador then, the U.S. ambassador, wasn't very happy that the American friends uh, loved Syria and they, they, uh, the, the, the purpose of the whole program was different because for, uh, it was eye-opening for them. And uh, because she wanted, on the contrary, she wanted probably the Syrians to totally come back and, and sort of uh, maybe build at that time, as, as they thought, a kind of opposition. This is what I felt later on. But uh, they couldn't do it because, uh, I mean, no matter what, we will not change our mentality towards our homeland in a way. So, uh, I mean, that was the case uh, at that time. Maybe they started building this. They, they always tr try to build opposition to any government that is not really following their own uh, steps in a way. Uh, so, uh, I mean, this is the case. I remember one of them told me, why don't you have a peace education in your schools? I said, well, we do, but we don't call it peace education. We call it, for example, we have two things. We, have, we teach religion, we teach morals and values, and at the same time, we have something called, like, for, for example, uh, national education, where we teach as well some of the values. Uh, so maybe you call it different. Uh, and then I asked them, well, in the United States, maybe you teach your kids values of peace, but peace uh, without, with their neighbors, but do your children know what their government is doing to in, to in other parts of the world? So basically, we are all for peace, Patrick. We would like all the people of the world to really unite, and I guess if uh, the United States wants uh, all the wealth of uh, all these countries that uh, it's fighting. Maybe they can they can get what they want, but by peace, by giving in return development projects, by working in development. I think everyone will love the United States, and even now they do. 
my students love Britain and love the United States. They love the British people. They love the American people. My students have friends from America from uh, on Facebook and even and they contact them always. They love the American lifestyle and uh, and they know because we teach them literature, we teach them British basically uh, 75% of the courses are British literature, English literature and we teach them American literature and they know from literature that people are human, humane, they are just like us so uh, I just wish that uh, people will understand that uh, uh, now they shouldn't believe the mainstream media Maybe in Iraq it was maybe one of the, uh, let's say, first five, five uh, probably uh, aggressions that uh, the United States did in the, in the new century. But now, in the new millennium in a way, but after Iraq, after Libya, after, I mean, I mean can't they see that, you know, there's something, I mean, how can they believe? I don't know how, how they can believe the mainstream media still and those lies about weapons of mass destruction, chemical attacks. Have, have you... Um what, have you had any direct experience with some of these mainstream media outlets? Because I know they probably sometimes call you to, to comment, yeah. like, like say the BBC or CNN. Uh, have, yeah. what, what, what have you taken from any of these? You know, what's been your experience with, with these people? Uh, actually, Patrick, uh, I remember uh, uh, almost uh, th- uh, probably four months ago, there was a conference uh, that took place in Damascus University. Uh, most of the people who attended were British. It was done by the Syrian-British, uh, uh, in fact, uh, association, uh, which have Syrians and British, in fact. It's academic, basically. And uh, they conducted a conference in Damascus University. Many important people attended the conference, some journalists, some of them from BBC. And I remember at that time, um, because I uh, gave a comment at the end of the conference about um, our students, uh, and I'll tell you now about this comment because it's important for the British people to know, uh, in fact, uh, uh, how, ma- how many students go to Britain, uh, used to go to Britain before uh, the, the crisis. Uh, so uh, I was con- uh, asked by one of them, uh, the journalist from BBC4, to, uh, to meet some of my, our students. So uh, he said, is that okay? I said, yes. But let me check because, you know, maybe there are some security uh, concerns. So let me check first. So I talked to the dean uh, and uh, the president of the university. And he said, by all means, we are a free country. Let them meet our students. We have nothing to be afraid of. And uh, I remember I contacted some of my students who are available uh, because they, they had a very short time. And we met in a restaurant even. And uh, they talked to the students and I stood away. I sat, sat away. I told him, look, I'm going to sit away because I am their professor. So I want them to speak totally freely. Just talk to them as you want. And, of course, they did not broadcast all what was said, only one group of them. Uh, They probably uh, didn't broadcast everything. But then one of them contacted me later when there was this water crisis for 40 days in Damascus. Wadi Wadi Barada. Yeah, when they uh, yeah. they they, they poisoned yeah. the uh, water supply with diesel. Yeah, and the, and, and they yeah and, and they deprived the, the people re- of Damascus the so, from the so-called rebels. The yeah. so-called rebels. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, he told me, could you please talk about uh, the suffering of the people of Damascus because of uh, uh, you know water the water issue? I said yes, and then when I was on, it was live, and I said, how much time do I have? And he said one minute. I said, okay, I can say what I want to say in one minute. Uh, what what is really happening? So I told him about the suffering and that we are getting water every three or four days and the government is trying hard to distribute the water to all the areas but it's something new for them so they are trying to put a schedule it was difficult in the, on the first day but now 
where they are distributing some water. So it's very difficult, and seven million people are suffering. And then when I, uh, the lady asked me uh, on on the show, she said, "Well, uh, they say that it's the government who is who has destroyed this spring, and they are depriving the people." So I said, "Well, how come the government will destroy something that that uh, is itself responsible for? Because they are they are responsible to bring water back to the people, and people will will complain. It's something that will make the people uh, really angry that they want water because they can't live with." water. The moment I started this, she said, okay, thank you, Rima Hakim. This is all what we have time for. And then she, she, she cut me off. And I said, okay, fine. But the next day, Patrick, I heard their correspondent, who is uh, unfortunately one of my, again, past students. Uh, she is their correspondent from Beirut. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, uh, if, if you really want to be an investigative journalist, you can really report, even from Beirut, but really report the truth, or at least report the whole narrative. But she is, uh, I mean, the, the way she is reporting, as if she is the spokesman or spokeswoman of the armed groups, uh, she, is, she doesn't even, you know, just say, well, perhaps, or, or maybe it's the, uh, the government, or maybe it's... No, she speaks as if this is, in fact, the truth, that it is the government who has done that. So uh, I even contacted this person who contacted me and I said on WhatsApp and I said well your correspondent from Beirut is talking as if she is the spokeswoman please be objective I feel sorry for the BBC because BBC for me to tell you the truth has been one of the main tools for me to learn English when I was learning English in my uh, uh, in fact school years and even in my university uh, years uh, the BBC for me was was uh, a bliss and I always listen to it and I always tell my students to listen to the BBC and to, and I always told them BBC is excellent it's uh, you know it has many uh, good programs but now my students keep telling me it's not objective at all so we can't listen to, to it even for 10 minutes I just feel sorry that BBC has lost a lot by well, the way. you're not alone I know a lot yeah. of British people who are yeah. agree with you yeah. they're really disappointed and uh, they don't yeah. they've turned off the BBC yeah. completely and uh, the same with the US media NBC CNN the Washington yeah. Post the yeah. New York Times great newspapers yeah. uh, who have completely betrayed uh, any principles of ethics and journalism over the I last know, especially know. with this conflict there's something about this uh, agenda the coordination of this yeah. is just to me dazzling i mean yeah. iraq iraq was different it was uh, it was the bully they were going in fast yeah. and hard yeah. and but this was this is very meticulous this this operation yeah, it's very very complicated as yeah. well yeah, yeah. I, I remember patrick in 2013 when they wanted to bomb syria uh, again on the false uh, claim or false flag of chemical weapons in a way uh, chemical attack in al ghouta which is which was fake uh, and and the same thing the funny thing is that they uh, they think that people are so stupid to just use the same the same play exactly. in a way same play. children without their parents it's just the same thing i remember very well when kerry was uh, they were discussing in the congress and in the parliament in britain they were discussing bombing syria uh, i remember very well john kerry when he was always on on the news or, or live he was com uh, repeating one sound bite uh, no boots on the ground, no boots on the ground. And then I told my students then, uh, uh, the students who I teach uh, translation, uh, I, I'd always tell them discourse analysis. 
I told them always listen to what he's saying. No boots on the ground. This is for the American people telling them it's the same scenario of Iraq, but this time no boots on the ground. We have the free senior army to fight for us. We have the, 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 the so-called rebels to fight for us. Don't worry. No troops will go into Syria. No boots on the ground. Just be careful and listen. It's the same scenario, guys. Just the same scenario because you know how they are taught even when they become uh, officials or politicians of how to use soundbites to really affect the public opinion in one soundbite. And he was constantly repeating it every time. I noticed this every time he was on TV or uh, anywhere uh, uh, or in a newspaper. No boots on the ground. So it's the same scenario, but in a different way because they learned the lesson. And this is uh, maybe maybe I, I I congratulated him for learning the lesson that okay in Iraq we were we were criticized because uh, the troops died in Iraq and whatever. And uh, there was this Abu Ghraib uh, incident and uh, the violence of the American troops, unfortunately, and uh, it, it destroyed their reputation. So now we'll do the same scenario, but now we have people to fight for us. So why should we really bother sending our troops? So it's just the same scenario, and people still don't know that. Uh, I mean, how can they believe this narrative of my God? I mean, a, a, a monster is killing his own people. I mean, 17 million Syrians are still living in Syria. I mean, why? How can they not do anything about it? I mean, uh, they are not deranged. It's as if they are saying a whole nation is deranged. You know. So after the Kanchahun. Uh, yeah. the, the repeat chemical. Yeah. Well, you you deal in theater, yeah. so you understand staging and narratives and Absolutely, plots yeah. and act. You know, yeah. these are the skills you need to to analyze media now yeah. because it's the same as theater, right? Yeah, yeah, precisely. So, so, yeah. so with Kanchahun, then they said, um, uh, you know, obviously didn't ask permission straight away with the uh, responsive uh, yeah. airstrike um, and. Uh, it, it seems like the public um, somehow it, it went so fast this time, yeah. whereas in 2013, Obama made a slow drama out of it, asked yeah. Congress for permission. That's finished. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's just bam like that. Yeah. yeah. It's getting worse, in fact. Uh, I mean, I, I remember it's not really, Patrick, it's not in defense of anyone or not in defense. I mean, just defense of the truth. I mean, if you really seek the truth, regardless of your opinion, uh, I mean, looking at these videos that uh, came, and of course, you know that the samples that they are talking about, the so-called samples, are sent by Al-Qaeda and and, uh, and those so-called rebels. I mean, how come you can build uh, on this basis? But I always tell my students, they don't care. They know that we know we, they are lying. They don't care. They know They know that they can do whatever they want because it's the, the, the power of might. It's might and not right. And, uh, but uh, so, uh, when, when this happened, when this uh, bombing, unfortunately, of the children of Kifreya and Al-Fu'a took place, uh, uh, I remember I put on my Facebook, you know, some of the pictures because they are not covered in the media. One of my students who is in Turkey and he's anti-government, he said, well, why didn't you put the, the children of Khan Shikhun? And I said, well, these are covered enough in the media, in the mainstream media, but those people are never even mentioned, those children. And then I told him, well, just for the sake of the truth, I mean, just watch. When there is a real explosion and when there is a real catastrophe, no one has time to really fix his camera very well and really take pictures and, and gather all the children uh, at, at one go. It's so, it's a mess. It, it's a real mess. And just look at the pictures of the buses that are burned and that are, uh, in fact, uh, the children turn to shreds. No one has time to take this picture, this perfect picture. And, and no the one. only reason you would have your cell phone out yeah. right in the aftermath uh, is is if you were trying to s transmit some sort of uh, political manipulation, 
Yeah. And that's exactly what we saw yeah. at uh, Russia D. Yeah. And uh, I, there's no other way to. And the same with Kancha. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't even know what I saw there. I, I, yeah. I still am not convinced that what I saw is a, a chemical attack. Yeah. Um, but what, what's, what's amazing is with both events, the international community is saying, well, this, for the, the bus bombing, the Syrian government yeah. can't be trusted to handle such a sensitive exchange. And we need the UN to come in yeah. and provide the management, right? And yeah. then for the, for the chemical weapons attack, uh, Donald yeah. Trump, the U.S. is saying, we need safe zones for the yeah. people. The biggest safe zone in Syria is the government, uh, controlled area Precisely. that's the safe zone that's the safe zone but, yeah. but if you watch uh, the western media they've got it all backwards yeah, and it's yeah. it's to me dazzling the the level of propaganda is something like um yeah. it's far beyond anything we've seen before yeah, yeah, precisely. I mean, it's like as if you are, I don't know whether you know this cartoon uh, film which we used to watch when we were young, Grandizer, and you know, I mean, it's something beyond imagination. I mean, like as if they are talking about Batman or, I mean, something that can, uh, if you have just a little common sense, you can't believe it, uh, in fact. Uh, and and uh, as you said, of course, uh, when, I don't know why they are, I mean, you know that the Syrian government has asked for, and Russia has asked for uh, a real probe to go there, and, and it, it's refused this. I mean, why? I mean, just people should ask themselves why why should they refuse why the u.s has refused this if, if, if it's serious enough that they yeah. responded with cruise missiles then it should warrant a forensic investigation right yeah, yeah well precisely. you'd think so wouldn't you yeah um yeah. and and and, uh, uh, and if the u.s and britain sent a team through turkey yeah. i'm sure uh nusra front would wait for them at the border and give them an escort yeah, yeah. to idlib yeah. Nice. And the funny thing, Patrick, is that if this na their narrative is, is true, and of course it's not, as you say, the propaganda is even beyond the limits. I mean, it's something really, it's so so silly to believe it. Uh, if the government has done the Khan Sheikhoun attack, chemical attack, and the government, as they say now in the mainstream media, has, has also, exp you know, uh, uh, has done the bombing of the buses of the children of Kufreya and Al-Fu'a. As they in say. A way. Yeah. As they say. And because they have manipulated that even, I mean, I mean, it's, it, it's unbelievable the way they can, you know, uh, go to. Uh, they have manipulated this by saying that uh, those, you know, rebels are very nice, you know, so-called rebels are very nice. They, they have, even despite the differences, they have uh, tried to save children. Uh, uh, of course, you know that there are uh, previously in September 2015, when they t uh, also wanted, there was an agreement or a deal to really move, evacuate the people from Kufreya and Al-Fu'a, they burned the buses. Mm -hmm, and, and one of them boasted on the camera saying that uh, you want to evacuate the Shiite. We w they will not be evacuated except dead, uh, except as dead bodies. Okay, I mean, why do they ignore this history of yeah. what they have done in Kufreya and Al-Fu'a? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when, when, when you need to know the truth, you gather the evidence. I mean, sometimes even the basics in criminal law, even even not criminal law, I mean, the basics of common sense, a child, you can teach a child common sense, mm -hmm. that if you ask a child, okay, this person has threatened in 2015 to, to have all the people dead. He has done this, he has done this. So a question, who do you think has done this now? The child will answer you, of course, them, because they have threatened before. So they are ignoring this completely, by, by the way, uh, with, despite all the evidence. So just come to a child and ask him, and the child will instantly say, well, of course, it's them, because, you know, if you gather the evidence. So it's just like a little 
a little, uh, if you like, uh, puzzle that can be solved easily by a two-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wonder why they do this. It's a war on common sense as well. Yeah, they want yeah. to destroy uh, critical thinking yeah. uh, and make people question even the most simple conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the uh, objectives of yeah. this, the new media, that, the, the, the yeah. mainstream media that we see. It's, uh, it's incredible. People are doubting yeah. basic things. Not, but but yet taking the videos that they see on their YouTube as without any question. Yeah. Certainly, CNN and the BBC have no problem rebroadcasting anything that gets yeah. handed to them from the white helmets or yeah, or so yeah, forth. They love course. it. They yeah. oh, of course, and they yeah. say it happened on this day, and this is what happened. No questions asked. Yeah, yeah. it could have been filmed uh, six months ago. Yeah, that's right. We don't know. Yeah, you know. We don't check. Uh, If I may say one thing, Patrick, as well, we maybe I'm taking so long. We got a couple minutes left, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the story I wanted to tell you about uh, what happened to us in England when we were in Britain, studying in Britain. uh, I have to say that uh, I am uh, I was a top student in uh, the university, so I was sent on a scholarship with other Syrian students. The Syrian government. Uh, public universities in particular used to send Syrian students, top students, to get their PhD degree in Britain, the most expensive country to study in, by by the way, very high tuition fees. And uh, and it used to send many, not only for English literature, for all types of disciplines, by the way. And uh, I remember once, I never realized how much a bliss this was uh, until I was one day with uh, my Syrian friends who were in Leeds, uh, and uh, some some of them were from Hull, from Manchester. We went for Christmas to Glasgow to meet our other Syrian friends, and uh, we, we went on train. And we were 22 Syrian people on the train at uh, at one time. And I remember uh, we, we there were British young men, very jubilant and noisy, and they heard us speak Arabic. So they said, "What language is that?" I said Arabic. We said all, all of us Arabic. We said, "Oh my God, where do you come from?" We said, we said Syria. So the the young British young men said, "All these." people from Syria on one train. How come? Are you tourists? We said, no, we are students uh, studying for a PhD. They screamed in one voice, oh my God, studying for a PhD. Are you that rich to study for a PhD? We said, no, we are on a scholarship from our government. And, and they were so so surprised. They said, oh my God, here we cannot study for a PhD unless we are really very rich or we have a loan or something. And I remember then I realized how much this was a bliss. In fact, some of these students did not come back even before the crisis. And some of them during the crisis are still studying in Britain. And they were still getting salary from uh, uh, Damascus University, let's say, and standing against the government. Imagine. Uh, just because they knew that there... Uh, and now they are there and they are working in different uh, places, recruited even in the uh, foreign office, Brit- British foreign office, imagine. I'm sure. Uh, and the Syrian government has paid for them to study uh, with no discrimination whatsoever, by the way. So uh, I-, I told my British friends that Syria has contributed even to your academic institutions by sending overseas students in large numbers, uh, Patrick, there. But uh, uh, to get in touch with the British culture and to, to learn the British language and to get a PhD. So it's uh, as if they are, uh, you know, uh, they didn't realize that uh, Syria was uh, had nothing at all against Britain. And uh, they were so willing. And I mean, the government was maybe one of very few governments who would send students and pay because it's a poor country mm-hmm. to send students to study there in Britain uh, with no discrimination whatsoever between any sex or any religions. This shows how much uh, the, the, the approach of this government towards its own people 
I mean, how come this government will go on and killing their own, kill their own people? I mean, you cannot just uh, understand this in a way. Mm. So um, I'm sorry, I, I, I took so long, Patrick. But no, uh, no, no. Your insights um, are tremendous, and uh, I think you've you've given people a lot of uh, uh, depth into you know your, what you've observed yeah. uh, and you've seen, and you're in a unique position having lived in Europe and studied yeah. in Europe and and also now teaching here. And seeing this whole process unfold, so you know, I think it's really valuable. This conversation, we'll keep this conversation going. Yeah, so it's it's my pleasure. I yeah. really want to thank you for having me on on your show, great show. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you to all the British people, the American people, good people, all the people around the world who are really seeking the truth and working even harder than uh, than, than than us, even in trying to reveal the truth and uh, of the mainstream media that is trying to. Uh, in fact, conduct a campaign of a global campaign of misinformation and misleading all the people around the world f- just for war, just for killing. I mean, it's just not not mis- uh, doing the misinformation campaign for for good reasons for for, for war. I can't just imagine how uh, uh, a kind of news uh, uh, analyst or anchor will go on TV and say something that he knows very well will cause the blood of the Syrian people. Mm. Uh, I remember I contacted an Australian journalist telling him every word you write. Is, uh, will kill a Syrian. Every word you write, which is not true, will kill a Syrian. So just think, please. I mean, investigate before you write anything on, on Syria. Mm. So thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you very much indeed. No, thank you, Rima Hakim. Thank you for joining us from Damascus University. It's a great honor and a pleasure as well. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll speak again. Thank you very Without much. Without a doubt. And peace of love to all of you. Thank you very much. Indeed. Uh, thank you very much. We're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, we're going to just uh, invite our next guest here in our makeshift studio. Uh, we're broadcasting live from Syria. I'm Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire live on the Alternate Current Radio Network. Stay right there. We'll be right back after these messages. Talking to the human race. Up on life. You can. 